0: You're listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast, the podcast where we delve deeper into landscape business, interviewing legends of the UK landscaping industry. So join host Nick Ruddle as he explores their thoughts, insights and experiences. That's here on the Grow Landscapers podcast. Hi and welcome to the Grow Landscapers podcast. I'm Nick Ruddle and today we're joined by more landscape royalty in the form of ken white from frost landscapes how are you doing ken very good nick nice to, nice to see you great to have you on the show um i say landscape royalty because quite literally you've been involved in royal palace gardens such as the magic garden at hampton court palace and the jubilee garden so i suppose you know where you really are um t- touched with some some royalty connections there <laughs> um so my right to say you've won is it more than 80 how many yeah. barley awards have you won uh, yeah, over 80. I think we
1: last count was about 84 and that was a few years back and wow. one one grand prize and number of principals and other awards. So we, we've won a few over the years. I think the first one was back 1972, 73, wow. just after it started. So I think it started right back then, yeah.
0: Wow. Well, then you're more than qualified to be on this, uh, on this podcast and I'm sure people get a hell of a lot of... Um, Uh, advice and insights into um, how they can maybe uh, model themselves on you and emulate what you've done if they go halfway towards that they'll be doing pretty well so um well thanks for coming on let's jump straight in shall we okay so how long have you been in uh, the industry
1: ah nice easy one to start uh i make it 32 32 years approximately yeah so yeah i've been about for a while now yeah yeah so was that fairly early on from school or? Uh, no I actually trained as a, an auto electrician um, when I first left school but um landscaping started for me. I've told this story before but years ago I, I went to an girls school bizarrely um, and there was one me and three other guys and um, at that age um, girls were quite yucky um, mm-hmm. and I used to jump the fence and help the deaf gardener at break time rather than have to play with all the girls so that's probably mm-hmm. where they're Interest in landscaping sort of started, and then I, I, I came. I came back to about 30 odd years ago. It was about 20, early 20s, 21,
0: 22. How funny is that? So, so when you're that young, girls are yucky. If you were the only the three boys in a girls' school when you're about 13 or 14, I think there'd be a different, yeah, a different kind of fish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be quite scary, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, good stuff. Okay, so so where did it all start for you then, um, in your landscaping career?
1: Yeah, so um, I was actually I was actually on the, on the dole, and in those days they used to pay you for a day out. Um, used to pay you to go to job interviews. So There was a job interview uh, for Bristol Zoo uh, for a gardener. So I thought, if nothing else, I'll get a day out at the I get a day out at the zoo. So um, I went along there and um, got a job with. Um, bristol zoo but i worked out on their estate which used to grow um all the cut flowers the animal feed it was almost a full working farm mm. garden we grew all the bedding plants so it was a it was a great um great grounding um and so that that's really where it began again and then i started to go to college from there they used to do day releases it was in those days um and yeah work for work for bristol zoo for a for a number of years and then joined Bristol Bristol parks department and, and sort of worked um, worked there I've, I've been about a bit of I've, um, I've lived in 24 towns and three countries in my 50 wow. odd years so uh, yeah been yeah I've been around a bit but yeah it all started in in, in Bristol um, and then say did through the college um, went to Cannington College uh, I met Jerry Bonner who some of your listeners might know yeah Um who's an arb lecturer and he trained at Royal Botanic Gardens Edinburgh and he told me that he thought that would be a good good fit for me so that's where I did apply to go to Edinburgh um, and did the what was known then as the DHE so I did um, my sort of degree equivalent at there and then from there I went to Kew Gardens um, and studied at Kew Gardens afterwards and really um, fell into landscaping a little bit by accident never really wanted to be a landscaper wanted to work in developing countries wanted to save the world Mm -hmm. Um, and I did that for a little while I worked on a couple of projects out in Mexico uh, on ecotourism and coffee production and biological control and then when I came back I was looking for a job and I found a job with a house builder that was doing landscaping and then they realized my qualifications and became a sort of became a supervisor form and you know so on and so on then the rest is the rest is kind of history but it was never really my initial intention anyway.
0: Wow so real solid sort of formal grounding of education in horticulture and um, good to get different um, experiences from other countries as well I suppose um, you can bring a lot of that back excellent So, um, so how did you get involved with Frost Landscapes then? Yeah, so I, I, I've only really had
1: three jobs, I think, sort of three or four jobs. Mm. Um, I worked with English Landscapes when it was English Landscapes um, for a while. Um, and then I was looking, looking for a change and I saw a job going for Frost that was looking for uh, an operations manager's role. Um, so I went and interviewed for that job and uh, got 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 taken on as a operations manager and then worked my way up through the the ranks with, with them, really.
0: Right. So what was the, um, what, what did the business look like at that point? So in terms yeah. of well, know, number of people, you know, how big the turnover kind of jobs you worked on, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: So it was, it was very different to where it's ended up. So it wasn't huge in those days. Um, I've been with them, I think nine, 19 years now. Wow. Um, it did about three million pounds turnover as a total. Um, We worked in grounds maintenance, private, domestic, commercial landscaping, interior landscaping, and then we did a little while on uh, Christmas tree hire. Um, And then we grew, mainly grew the landscape side of the business to its height, which was around about 18 million, which we did do about 3 million in, in, uh, in grounds maintenance and interior. And um, probably uh, 230, 240 employees wow. by the time,
0: at the time we got it to, uh,
1: before the change anyway, before we got it to its, uh, to its height. Yeah.
0: Wow. So when you started, how many, how many employees did it, did it have then? Uh, Grants Maintenance had quite a few, but, but I think
1: probably in those days it was about 50. But I, 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 there's a little bit of guesswork in that, Nick, but I would yeah. say around about 50 in the, in the early days.
0: A huge growth
1: then up to sort of 230 240 um. yeah I, I think um frost was based on the edge of milton keynes which was a new um uh, city or town that, that at that point in time for what, 50 52 years ago and, and as a garden center and i think it was quite fortunate in its location it was a nursery before that uh, Poinsettia nursery, and what it meant was we kept they kept getting inquiries for landscaping works and and um, that's really where, where that side of the business grew a lot of the initial works came from the new town of Milton Keynes being built really
0: wow brilliant so good timing mm-hmm. um so what do you think the most important elements are then to running a successful business so we'll start with that one on the yeah sure. have had all the soft questions now yeah so now we're, we're <laughs> now you've to... got to engage your brain really yeah. and think about it. um
1: I, I think it's probably well, not probably. It's having a clear strategy. I think it's having a clear strategy that everybody can align behind, that they understand where it's going, um, and being adaptable. You know, I think that's the key. We've gone through many iterations. COVID being a fantastic example of what's going on, although it didn't overly affect the construction industry. But I think that that ability to be um, to be adaptable and, and and to change, and for everybody to understand who you are where you want to go, what you want to do. and I always kind of say, well let's start with the end in mind. There's been a few books written along that sort of topic, but start with where we start with where we want to end up um, and, and work to work towards that. Uh, I've never believed in the mushroom stuff. you know I, I, My employees know how the business is doing, they know what the finances are, they know what kind of year we've had. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't never made a secret of whether we've had a good year or a bad year. Mm. um so I, I don't keep them in the dark
0: yeah, so the communication as always you know with that kind of stuff and with everything in the business is so crucial isn't it to, you know yeah. whether you're talking about the performance of the business or just how you communicate the strategy how you get them aligned to that strategy so that everyone's got that common goal i think it's really really important and um, it's interesting the book you alluded to there, seven habits of highly effective people yeah. if, uh, if there's anyone listening to this and they haven't listened to or read read or listened to that book then uh, steve covey or Steve Covey as it's pronounced yeah. as it's spelt. Um the Americans call it covey, but it's spelled covey. Um seven habits of highly effective people. One of those seven habits is starting with the end in mind. So um yeah, some good, good um principles to live by. Um okay then. Um so really important to have a strategy to get people on the bus with that strategy, communicate oh, on the bus deck. I've got that later on Jim Collins. I absolutely love it. <laughs> They're all coming it. out today. I go. absolutely love. Well,
1: yeah. I, I, I'm a mad reader on that sort of thing. And, and you know, like yourself with, um, with action coach aside. the side, I, I know you we'll talk about it later, but I, you know, I have a, I have a, a mentor. I, I read an enormous amount of uh, text and take bits from everything that I, I feel is, is, is suitable. And maybe sometimes I chop and change too much. Um, I've recently implemented the 12-week the, the year um, on the basis that we work on, on the year being four quarters and you can't carry things over from one quarter to the next and we measure everything against performance in a, a quarter and we try our best to um, yeah, deal with it so a year is only 12 weeks and we set 12-week goals, 12-week targets Brilliant. On that principle, that um, you know, sales sales targets get hit at the end of the year, don't they? Because they the time's running out, so uh, <laughs> we we run along that basis of a twelve week
0: year. Brilliant, great, great principle. And we we all our clients come together every every three months, all from all over the country. Some come flying from abroad, and it's exactly doing that's quarterly planning. So all the landscapers, all on the landscaping table, swapping ideas, coming out with a plan for the next twelve to thirteen weeks. Um, like you said, yeah, no I think those peer, be- peer
1: groups are very, very important, aren't they? I think having that, um, we call it safe, safe environment and flat mirror, the more you get to know people, you know, flat mirror and then don't let you away with any bullshit and tell you this is not you, you're not going to do that. But in a, in a friendly and sort of, yeah, safe, safe manner, I think uh, peer groups are, are hugely important to a successful business.
0: And, and especially in the landscaping industry, I think, and I've coached a lot of companies in lots of different industries, but this particular industry, I think, is very, very abundant. And, and and there's a common theme with all the people we've had on this show is you can ask someone, just if you don't know something or if you've got a problem or, you know, talk to someone, ask someone because people nine times out of ten will be really receptive to that. Mm-hmm. And it's such a nice industry um, for, to be in compared to many other industries that I've worked with before. Um so yeah, education really, really important, and there's no, no, no fluke that obviously you've done really, really well because I think the better you become, Steve Covey said, he said, work harder on yourself. No, not Steve Covey, Jim, Jim Rohn, if you yeah. know of Jim Rohn, yeah, you know, I do have have Rohn, another, another brilliant, yeah. wise business philosopher. Always work harder on yourself than you do on your job because when you become better, life gets easier. Yes. You know, so if you, if you start from a better knowledge base, you start making better decisions you start then asking better questions you then start taking better action you start taking better action you then get better results so um but if you keep doing what you've always done with the knowledge you've always had that's that's about as far as you can go so it's so important to emphasize um you know the 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 benefit of of just constantly reading listening and, and applying it to your own situation so um yeah i think that's a massive lesson for everyone so okay then so um what would you say the biggest mistakes that you've dealt with or hmm. are they mistakes or challenges or yeah, look, problems I'm,
1: that you overcome yeah, I've, I've never made a secret of this as i've said before i mean i think um we've once upon a time we were we were turnover driven rather than being customer focused and that was a that was a huge mistake mm. um, as we got bigger it becomes a bigger and bigger beast to to feed and and you tend to just start looking for the for the turnover or for the jobs and and you maybe don't go in at the at the right margins and things that you should do because you're 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 trying to feed the sausage factory Um, and um it you know it's been quite disastrous at 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 times for us so yeah, with being being turnover driven. It's not to say that you you don't want to increase your turnover and grow your business, but if that becomes your primary focus, it did for us. That was a, that was a major mistake for us. Yeah.
0: So another cliche then, turnover for vanity, profit for sanity. Absolutely, yeah. I've heard that one. But yeah. it's so true, isn't it? Because people generally in business like to band around, oh, we're turning over this amount. But there's no point in having the turnover if 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 you if you're not really making any money, you know. Absolutely. So, you yeah. might rather have a million pound turnover making 200 grand rather than having you know three million turnover and nothing, you know, with all the aggro and all the time and effort it takes, you know, to, to exactly get exactly to-
1: that. And that's exactly where we were, where the profit margin was kind of ra- largely sitting at the same place. Um, but yet the turnover was increasing. So in real terms, in percentage terms, it was it was it was declining. Mm-hmm. Um, and we made the um, well, we made the decision to, ch- to change to change that.
0: Yeah, well, knowing your numbers, knowing what your gross margin, your break-even gross margin needs yeah. to be, then you can think, right, okay, well, anything over and above that, we're making money. So we we need to put our quotes out with confidence that they're actually going out with the right kind of margins. Obviously, delivering those is another another challenge. Yeah. Um, but very, very good then. Okay, so um, have you had any specific major obstacle or one particular thing in particular yeah,
1: yeah likewise as i say i've no, I've never made that thing because you know our accounts are audited and, and out there you know we have literally made a million and, and lost a million um we had a, a a real bad financial year um going back every i think that probably ran about 2016 where we, we we took a bath on a project um yeah, lost around about a million pounds on a, on a project that was of three million pound size. Um, lots of different factors, but um, yeah, I, I could sit and could blame main contractors and things, but we've made a, a, a large number of errors on, on that project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess it's a good thing to be able to say, made a million, lost a million, made a million again. Um, you know, so w- w- we've learned and it was... Um, it, it, it was, I guess in some ways it was that that contract in many ways that led to me owning the the, the, the business. Um, in that um, I'm, I'm I haven't always owned the business. I was you know worked my way up to managing director with with, with Frost, um, and we had a, a Vimbo, you know, um, which was a, a management buyout initiated by by the vendor in two thousand. And 18 so um, myself and two of the fellow directors um, purchased the business from from the frost frost family right. so their decision was that um, they wanted to focus on their core business on their knitting which was the four garden centers which they've got which are four outstanding um, garden centers and we I believe that fundamentally the business w- w- was was strong, and that we could learn some lessons, and we we could um, rebuild the business from 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 that point, um, which is ex- exactly you know what we what we did. We had already previously made the decision to step out of the grounds maintenance and interior market, um, and we were we 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 sold those elements off to uh, one of the one of the bigger boys. Um, For me, I felt that that market was a bit of a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, there's some phenomenal businesses in that market and they're probably not like me to say that they're a mains because they do much more, but you only got to look at ground control. I mean, that's just just a a business that's come at it from the other end. Businessmen that have gone into landscaping rather than landscapers that have have become businessmen, which is kind of what most of us – yeah, on this side, do we we start running a landscape business, and then you wake up one day and you realize you've got a business, and you go, oh shit, yeah. I've got a business. Um, yeah. but they've come at it the other way. But I felt it was a a race to the bottom on that side, so we 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 stopped doing that. Um, and then we've we concentrated on on delivering construction projects. Um, and we we now do about a third of the turnover that we used to do, and we're far more profitable than we ever were, even at the height of our turnover. Yeah. So more customer focused, less business for the right people, right margins. We want to work for people that get us uh, and we get them. We we might not be for everybody, uh, but that's fair enough. Um, But for those that do work with us and do understand us, then, you know, those are the people that we want to, we want to partner with. And um, it, it is competitive tendering what we do, but it's all also about trying to look at where you can add value. What have you got on your corporate social responsibility that aligns with those clients. What are you doing about being net carbon? Mm -hmm. um, All all of those things. So, um, you know, we want to work with people that are on the same journey as we are. um, Mm -hmm. And for the same main contractors that are on the same journey that we're on, or we want to help them achieve their objectives ultimately by using us.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that corporate sustainability is only going to get more and more um important you know for, for all the tenders that you that, that you're faced with you know you come up against come with um Absolutely. with um you know you're you have to sh- prove that you've actually got a report which could become the norm going forward and I think it will be going forward not too not too long away it's already happening now so you know yeah. it's only going to get more and more important and rightly so um so c- just touching on uh, one of those things about having working with the right kind of people I suppose that then comes back to your strategy your business strategy in terms of who are the right customers who, who are we what are our values what what do we stand for and and what other kind of companies or customers align in you know, are, are in alignment with 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 that kind of strategy so um, your target market you know, how you go about it who are they where are they why what's important to them and how can we go and communicate that message yeah. very good um okay then so what have you personally found to be the most rewarding parts of running a nice, successful big business?
1: Yeah, I think we've touched on it before. I think the people in this industry are, are outstanding. There are, there are some fantastic people, um, like-minded, but I guess that's in, in any industry, but I think we're making a, a real contribution to the natural environment and we're making more of a contribution along the lines of what we've just, what we've just said, um, I love being able to 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 give back in some way or another. Uh, we both do a little bit for the Pro Landscaper Business Awards. Uh, I, I have been past chair for the Association of Professional Landscapers, non-exec director for the HTA for a little while. Um, and you know, I've helped sort of mentor, it's probably too strong a word, but I've helped kick some people along the the right sort of path. And and that goes to the the kind of core of who and what i am if we go back to the beginning about wanting to 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 save the world Mm. um i'm also currently co-founder of a children's cancer charity super shoes and i'm also a chair of another charity that works in the um horticultural sector that builds gardens for schools called human roots um so being involved with the people being involved and realizing that um, I have a vessel which I can give back, which is the business. I don't have to do everything outside of the business and wait till you retire and mm-hmm. hopefully put a, a little bit of a pot of money in there and then decide to do something I kind of realized that I have a good vessel mm-hmm. um, to do something with. And, um, you know, so I think those are, th- those are the rewarding bit. The, the people of the industry are, are fantastic. And I love driving past things going, we built that, we did that, you know, from something that was derelict or whatever to go in and watching people enjoy it take jubilee gardens which you mentioned go there on a summer's day and there's literally thousands of people out enjoying the park yeah. somebody did a great job of designing it in the first instance and we've gone along and constructed it and I, I i love that you know that that bit for seeing people enjoying the landscape or landscaping that you've been involved in creating mm-hmm. i think that yeah for me that that ticks a lot of boxes
0: that's what it's all about isn't it really ultimately i suppose and um it's nice that you you know you've got you had many years of giving back and there's many many years of, of giving back still to to, to give isn't there okay. and, and and when i invited you on you know initially contacted you to come on you now you're giving back now straight away you, you 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 grabbed the opportunity and you came on so it wasn't even a question of well, should i shouldn't i do it i think yeah, you know probably. you know that when people listening to this and there's it's becoming more and more popular so there's more and more people getting to to hear all this great stuff um it's obviously going to benefit them and you mentioned earlier about it's interesting you said about ground control was um a biz- businessman you know running a landscaping related you know maintenance company rather than the other way around because i think that's that's the vast majority of people are great at what they do they're passionate and they love mm-hmm. building gardens or designing gardens or being involved in the industry and then they think oh actually I need to get the skills now to, to run a business and the two are totally different. And, and, and that's where I think some people can, can come unstuck. And unfortunately, some of those don't always succeed because they don't have the business knowledge, but they're great. They build brilliant gardens, but don't make necessarily the money they should out of it. Yeah. I same. mean, that's
1: something we, with the part time with the APL that we put together was a, a, a business course to help people um, perhaps build a first ever business plan. Um, to really have a look and think about the numbers and where they're going and, and some stuff that makes sense to you, but to understand what their pin number is, you know, they say they're going to grow their turnover by X, yeah. but you know, the, and their average job size is X. And you say, okay, well, how many opportunities do you need? How many are you going to land? How are you actually going to do that? And try and get some some real sense and clarity into what they're doing and trying to help sort of um, measure, measure where they're going so they can, you know.
0: Yeah. It's a whole new world for them, isn't it? Really? You know, because like it is with anyone starting a business, if they're generally, there's a, you would have read this book. The E-Myth is one of the mm-hmm. most famous books by Michael Gerber. And he talks about that exact thing. The E-Myth being the entrepreneurial myth is that entrepreneurs start businesses and generally they don't. It's generally the technicians, the people that are good at what they do, whether it's laying pipes, cutting hair, building gardens, and then they think, Oh, actually, I need to now learn how to grow a business. So, yeah. um, yeah really still learning still learning Everyone still learning all still learning you, day, you, you've, you've day, yeah. listened or read you know listened to or read hundreds of business books i have and continue to do so because there's new ones coming out with different you know time changes and times change technology changes you know life goes in you know different ways so you've got to be you've got to be on top of that i think um, as
1: well as the books nick there's also the companies out there that are doing well and looking at Emulating them, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. And there are some companies doing some great things, and to have a look at, you know, what is it that makes them them great, and how can you apply some of that to you, to your own situation, your own your own business, you know?
0: Absolutely, I think it's a really really good point, and I say that to clients quite a lot because although it's common sense, common sense isn't always that common. And instead of starting, you know, reinventing the wheel, someone somewhere has done exactly what you want to do, whatever industry you're in, successfully yeah. So. Why, why try and work it out for yourself when someone's been there before? So it's a, it's a good way of researching other companies and modeling your, yourself on their success. I think it's a really, really good point. So um, I'm sure one that will, many people will take away. Um, so what advice would you give someone then? If, if you've got someone, if someone's in a position now where they are in that position and they're, and they're struggling or they don't really know what to do next or how to get to the next level um, and they want to expand it, but they just don't know where to start. what What advice would you give to them?
1: Yeah, so I think we've touched on it a little bit, but um, I would encourage people to join one of the associations. I think that's a very good start point. Mm. Um, often, associations get get sort of criticised for what What do you do for us?" type scenario, but you get out of an association what you put into the association. You 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 know you have to you have to engage with them, and I think a lot of the associations have. Uh, group meetings or the APL has its cluster groups, which are like-minded individuals that come together to discuss the issues and problems. So it's that problem shared. And as we've said, you know, not reinventing the wheels. Um, I, I don't encourage everybody to, to use a, to use a mentor. Um, I, I use a mentor. I've used one from Cranfield university for a number of years now after going there. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, just, Keep learning, keep reading, mm. talk to other people inside the industry. We've touched on it that the, it, the people in our industry are willing to share. We're not working on industrial secrets, are we? Mm. You know, there's, you know, There's more than enough work to go around yeah. and it, it, it can only benefit us all if the standards improve right across the board. So, yeah, talk, talk to other people and talk to them. On both sides, so if you're a designer, talk to the contractors, if you're a contractor, talk to the designers or if you're a you know a contractor, talk to the main contractors, understand what they need, where their problems are, what the issues are, how you can help and and yeah, just just yeah, the, the associations and 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 mentors, reading and look where people have been successful i think and and see what you can what you can learn there's life lessons to be learned everywhere isn't there yeah
0: oh absolutely never stops never stops so yeah you don't need to be um on your own it's a lonely old gig sometimes being a business owner and i think those kind of associations and getting involved talking to other people can really really help you don't have to suffer in silence you've got got barley apl sgd Uh, 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 yeah there's
1: there's our uh, association whatever sector you're in uh, there's uh, an association and they're there to um to to support you aren't they
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so um one great thing for people to take away so okay so finally then um onto the last question if you could give maybe one or two golden nuggets you may have already sort of touched upon these no doubt Um, and you can give someone um some advice on on how to build their business what would be the key things that you think they would really need to have in place and and, um yeah
1: so we've touched on start with the end in mind you know where is it you want to go and kind of work backwards it's the same same with with golf isn't it yeah you work you should work from the hole backwards you know what what shot do you want to leave yourself into the green um you know so start with the end in mind and work backwards and i've been uh i believe in strong ideas weekly held so start with your with your strategy be prepared to adapt it and change it if it's not right um that um you know you've got a you have an idea try it if it doesn't work fail fast yeah don't keep don't keep flogging the the dead horse if it's not working so strong ideas weekly held i think um try to stay focused try not to chase too much shiny stuff Um, you see lots of people oh shiny stuff over there and they run away over on this strategy and then we run away over on that strategy I think you know get a clear focus on, on where you want to be don't chase shiny stuff um, and you know get a core solid core business going and then you can expand out from from that into um, markets which are um, yeah are, are tied in united to what it is
0: you're wanting to, what what you're wanting to do yeah very good so so keeping the focus having that strategy start with the end in mind um and then work towards that plan don't don't be afraid to quit know when to quit you yeah know when to quit. Yeah. I, think, I think that's
1: yeah. the- strong ideas weekly held to say i think is the uh is the catch-all for, is the catch-all for that i say the marketplace is is changing all the time the world around us is changing all the time and what what's right today might not be right in five years time and um trying to make a business plan for example that's five years out for me is is a a kind of no-no you know yeah 12 months 24 months is fine if you see much beyond that good because if maybe your order book is showing that but we we really don't know we really don't know what's going they do say that all our kids are going to work in uh in jobs that we've not even heard about yet so um (laughs) yeah we just uh, we just don't know what's coming so be adaptable Yeah.
0: yeah 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 absolutely so um I think it's good to know roughly where that is you want to go, but you can't really put a lot of detail into that because like you say, things change, um, everything changes. But I think, I think 12 months, to 24 months, you can sort of nearly feel it, touch it. And, and it's sort of, you've got to have that focus. And I think I like that, the expression you use about shiny objects. So yeah, keep, keep focused on the main event, main event. Don't get, you know, distracted by the sideshows because, but that's, that comes probably from a lack of plan. If, if you've got your plan, and you know where you've got to go, then you can, you know, these little temptations are there, but if you actually know, is that going to take me closer to where I want to go? Or is it actually going to just sort of yeah. distract me? Um, so I think that's really, really good point. Wow. Ken, that's, um, that's so good. So many brilliant um, words of wisdom in a short space of time. Um, hopefully people have got a lot of those golden nuggets and, um, and they can implement them into their, their lives and their businesses um if there was uh if, if people want to get in touch with you you say you're abundant so no yeah. doubt if if, if if someone did need to sort of pick your brains at any point or they wanted to uh, engage your services as a contractor or any any other areas of your business what would be the best way for them to get in touch yeah
1: so uh, my email address is k white at frostlandscapes.com you'll find me on linkedin there's ken white and my mobile number and email address is on there same as on on Twitter, all the usual sort of social media or business platforms. And indeed, my contact details are on on the website for Frost Landscape. So if I can be of assistance, I'd I'd be more than happy to do so.
0: That's amazing. That's brilliant. Well, it's been really, really good speaking to you, Ken. I've enjoyed every second of it. I'm sure everyone else will as well. Um, I shall let you go and no doubt see you at an event um, in the industry before too long.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Nick. Appreciate it. Thanks. Cheers, Ken. Take care. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. To get in touch and see how we can help you with your business by emailing nick at nickruddle.com.